welcome everybody to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. We have our co-host, Matt and Vitor here as well. Today, we are going to be breaking down the 2021 Jets NFL Draft Class. All the recent picks over the weekend, four on offense, six on defense. Uh, pretty exciting class. We had some really interesting, fun players I think are going to make an immediate impact. So quick recap and go pick by pick. Round one, second overall, we have Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. Expected, but we're still excited. Round one, 14th overall after a trade-up, Elijah Vera Tucker. I know a lot of Jets fans, including myself and you guys, are excited about that one. We spoke in our episode on offensive linemen earlier about how realistically Vera Tucker was the best one, but there was no shot he'd fall to us. Well, we traded up and got him anyway. Round two, 34th overall, Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. Small, but got a ton of juice, can be used in a variety of different ways. Really exciting player. And it sounds like the Jets would have taken him at 23 if he was available there and they kept the pick anyway. So it's a good value. Uh, round four, 107, Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. Again, small, but packed full of juice. Guy that the Jets, again, very high on. Didn't think they would last as far as he did, but they were able to get him. Round five, 146, Jamie and Sherwood, who the Jets are listing at linebacker, but he played safety at Auburn. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Jets have a couple guys that are these hybrid safety linebackers. They're going to try and make full-time backers. I think it's a really good idea because I think their coverage and speed is good. So that's a good pick. Round five, 154, the second Michael Carter. Michael Carter, two, uh, the cornerback from Duke. Jets are cornering the market on Michael Carter's and Elijah's. Uh, got that going for the rest of us. Round five, one seventy fifth. Jason Pinnock, the corner from Pittsburgh. Long, tall, explosive ball skills, but needs a little help and in instincts. But a developmental piece there. Athletes. Round six, one eighty six. Hamza Nasir Dean, again a guy that played safety that they're converting to linebacker from Florida State. Fell due to an injury. Didn't play much uh, in twenty twenty. Out part of the last couple of games where he came back. But before that, people were thinking he might have been a round two, round one player. Fell due to injury, a lot of potential. Round six, 200 overall. We have Brandon Eccles, the corner from Kentucky. Uh, be Kelvin Joseph's opposite. Another guy, athletic as all hell, probably more of a slot body type, but through the roof testing numbers. And to round it off, round six, 207th overall, we have Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle from Arkansas. Again, absolutely freakish testing numbers. In terms of RAS score, he was ranked second out of all defensive tackles since 1987, uh, but just doesn't quite know what to do with all that athleticism. Hopefully the Jets can make something out of him. Uh, guys, that is the draft class. We're going to start going pick by pick and breaking it down. Uh, lead off here with Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU. Uh, anyone wants to take the floor? Go ahead. So, I mean, I was always a Justin Fields guy. Uh, I made, I wasn't, I wasn't shy about that at all in, on Twitter or anywhere else. Uh, I wanted fields and, but at the same time, I know exactly what Wilson can bring to the table. Uh, his athleticism, even though we might not use him the same way that we would have used fields is enough to, to make plays and extend plays. And I'm very happy with what he's capable of and what he will bring to the table. And he, he seems like he already has like that New York swag to him already. Uh, he, he might be coming from the mountains of of uh, of uh, Provos, but uh, I bet he can throw it over the mountains too. He can, yeah, he, he's got that that arm strength. Uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops in the New York atmosphere because I think he mm -hmm. sort of hit the ground running. No, I agree. You know what I really like about the pick watching like the Jets brass and the Jets war room and yes. the after Zach Wilson went to Plum Park, Joe Douglas likes Zach Wilson more than I do. And I really like Zach Wilson. And I trust Joe Douglas judgment. So they, they love the him. Way, 
yeah, the way it, it was like you knew that they really, really studied the player. They knew everything about Wilson. They knew Wilson personally. Yes. You know, and this this kind this kind of certainty around a player is so good for the Jets because you don't feel that often. You know, the the, the, the Houston Texans pick David Mills without talking to him pre-draft. Mm-hmm. This is so weird. And the Jets, yeah. they, they know everything about Zach Wilson and, and Zach Wilson knows everything about the Jets. He's comfortable here too. And and I really like what Salah said. This organization is yep. going to lift you up, not the other way around. That was and the seller for me. Draft, yeah, the, the other draft picks that the Jets made show that. You know, we're going to lift you up, Zach. And Zach, Zach's clearly, clearly happy about that. He Very feels, much so. I feel like he wants to be here. He really does. And it's like, this, this feels like a perfect match. You know, everybody knows how to feel about Zach Wilson on the field. He's extremely smart. I would say he would be the number one overall pick in 2018, 19, and 20 over Burrow, Baker, and Ky- and, Ky- and Kyler Murray, right? right? Am I right here? And yeah, then, uh, it would be mm-hmm. Baker 2018, Murray 2019, uh, Burrow 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I personally, um, be hard for me to pass on Joe Burrow just because I really, really liked his intangibles and I liked his intelligence, but I would not be, I, you can make that argument and I'm not going to be upset about it at all. He certainly could yeah. be the first pick in any of the last three drafts. He's more talented than, he's more talented than Drew Locke by a mile. He's more talented than Haskins. Uh, he's a better prospect than Goff was, and Goff went first overall. I mean, yeah, this is this is a, this is a high quality quarterback prospect. Yeah, my point is basically, if not for Trevor Lawrence, he thinks that Wilson is the first overall pick. So yeah. we all should be really, really happy about this pick. I'm really happy. I'm excited. I haven't been excited about the Jets office since I lied to myself about adding Gaze. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, yep, offensive that's, genius. That's, where football is going. Guys. Yeah, exactly. Now we have a team that coaches our football. Not yeah. to open up uh, any sore wounds, uh, like with what it, he said to Zach about we're going to lift you up. I'm sure there's a bunch of uh, Sam Darnold fans out there saying, "Hey, wait, didn't you say something yeah. like that to Sam?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that is the that is the difference. That is the difference between what the Jets are doing with Zach Wilson and what they're doing with Sam Darnold. Joe Douglas very clearly. If there is one thing we can say about him is that he's not going to make the same mistake twice. And to be fair, protecting Sam Darnold wasn't really his mistake because he didn't draft him and he came in throughout the process. But I think he feels maybe a little tentative that he didn't go out and aggressively attack free agency or attack the offensive line with more than just Mekhi Becton the year before. Granted, he knew Adam Gase was his coach and it might not be worth it, but... I think Douglas is is completely set on doing everything he can to make Zach Wilson succeed, and that, and the draft proves it. They keep saying that you know this was players on their board that got to them, and they didn't set out to have this offensive draft early. I I'm a, I can you know believe that if you want. I think these were guys the Jets had high on their board for a reason, and it's because they wanted to surround Wilson with as much talent as possible. Their number one goal in this season is to make sure Zach Wilson grows. That's it. If they throw a bunch of dart, if they throw a bunch of darts on defense and a couple of them land or some of them don't, that's fine. We can worry about that with our two first round picks next year. We got to make sure that our rookie quarterback is set up for success in year two. That's absolutely what they did. This is the first time in Jets history they've drafted a quarterback and wide receiver in the first two rounds back to back. I mean, it, it's it's obvious that he what he was trying to do with helping Zach Wilson grow, and people say, "Hey, McCagnan didn't." 
uh, surround Sam with talent. But guess what? This isn't McCagman. This is no. this is Joe Douglas, and he has done everything he ha- he can to to fix the mistakes of old. And yes, he, I mean, he tried last year. He did as much as he could last right. year. But one year wasn't gonna wasn't gonna turn the ship around. Damage was done at that point. Damage was done. Even this year, uh, last year, and this year probably won't change things. I mean, it will definitely change things towards uh, towards a positive. But I think we're still maybe another year away before we really see what Joe Douglas's vision is for this offense. Agreed. Agreed. Speaking of visions for the offense, uh, winning in the trenches doesn't hurt. And make it a big trade up to get Elijah Vera Tucker at 14. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to turn it to Matt in a second, but I'm going to give you the leading off point. Anyone that is upset about this trade up, don't be, because we've been begging <laughs> to protect our quarterback for years, and we got the best interior offensive lineman in the class, at, which was a major position to need. Everyone in their grandma wanted AVT for three months, and now we got him, and people are complaining. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh, it makes no sense to me, but I mean, I, I see where they're coming from and it's from a very narrow minded point of view that, mm-hmm. Oh, he's just a guard. You don't trade up yeah. guards. So is uh, Zach Martin. Yeah. And, but there's the thing. He's also just not, not just a guard. Yeah. He's an offensive lineman. Uh, because when it comes to depth at offensive tackle, we don't really have much, <laughs> if anything, uh, we got a Doga. All right. Not great. I don't think I would trust him. If let's say Becton or Fant goes down, I would actually feel more comfortable moving Vera Tucker outside than I would using any of our backup tackles. And he's just, he's just an offensive lineman all around and he'll fit in no matter what we need him to do. I think he'll be that fluid and that good. And anybody that wants to knock this trade, like, Saying, oh, no, 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 we can't do this for a guard. The, the, the nicest way I can say it is they can go kick rocks. Because, <laughs> yeah, this is, the, this is a smart move. Yeah, we absolutely. got the guy we wanted. Uh, the, the other option was maybe Tevin Jenkins, but then uh, rumors or uh, reports of, of uh, injuries and other things came out, mm-hmm. and that sort of tanked his stock a little bit. So at that point, it's like we need to get our guy. Right. Yeah. We, we don't we don't want to let the draft dictate what we do. We want to no. dictate what we want to do. Absolutely. And that's what Joe Douglas did. He didn't he didn't hold any punches. He he went for the guy he wanted. Yeah. And he was a top ten player for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he said he, it himself. This was a top ten player on their board. I, and I doubt he was a top ten player for just us. I'm sure no. he was a top ten player for a lot of teams. Absolutely. He would not have made it to twenty three. I, like he let's make that have. very very clear that there is no way in hell he makes it to 23 in fact if the vikings don't trade the reason the vikings they, traded back is because they were going to take justin fields if he fell and then justin fields went to a, uh, the bears at 11 shout out to the chicago bears for keeping him out of new england bear down uh but he went to the bears at 11 and the vikings were going to take vera tucker the jets just gave them an offer that they liked and let the jets come up and take him they thought they could get their tackle later and they did with derisaw they needed a tackle they didn't need a guard. The Jets needed a guard. And Vera Tucker is, if you're taking any player in this entire draft class to play guard in this system, and it's not Rashawn Slater, it's Elijah Vera Tucker. And you can probably make Elijah the argument Vera. that it's Elijah Vera Tucker, period. So if you're going yeah. to get your guy that's a scheme fit, that 
is going to protect the quarterback you just drafted second overall. You know, and then here's the point I want to make. We gave up 66 and 86. You know who the Jets would have taken at 66? Michael Carter. Yeah, that's they got, what I was going to say. They got him anyway. They got him it's anyway. Not like, it's not like Joe Douglas gave up way too much for Tucker. It's 66 no. and 86. And you got a fourth rounder back. Right. You got Elijah Moore, the guy that you wanted at 34. You got Michael Carter, the guy that you wanted at 107. What did the Jets miss? Probably a couple, a couple picks that one of these picks would stick on the roster. I think we would have traded back. Or traded up. The Jets were not picking like they were not utilizing every pick. They have this no. draft ammo to move up. No, they still they made ten picks. Up. Yeah, they still made ten picks, but they used it to move up and got a pick back because Douglas is all about value. That's what he is. Yeah. But the Jets are the Jets by trading Sandorno, Jamal Adams, Lauren Williams. They positioned themselves to trade up the way they did to Elijah Ver Tucker. Top 10 player, scheme feet, A-plus character. What else do you want? You got yeah. your quarterback's bodyguard. Mm-hmm. He checks every box. I have no concerns that Elijah Vera Tucker is going to come in and be nothing less than probably a pro bowler. Exactly. Like, like if he's exactly. average, it's a disappointment. I, I would be disappointed if he was average. Yeah. I, I, I'm expecting pro bowls. <laughs> yeah. I would, the, one of the best left sides of, of any offensive line in the league with him and Beckton. And they're just going to make each other better, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is something, when it, again, going back to you traded up for a guard, your offensive line is only as good as its worst uh, member. And having Becton is great. What about the four other spots? And specifically, what about the guards? And even more so, what about the teams in our division that just drafted pass rushers like the Bills and the Dolphins? Greg Rousseau gets his sacks from the interior. We need someone on the inside that can block. Jalen Phillips is going to be a nightmare to deal with twice a year if he stays healthy. We need people who can block. We got one. I agree. Yep, we're good on the on the left side. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so a lot of people think that to win the draft, you need to have as many picks as possible. But no, you just got to get the guys that you think fit your team the best and yep. that you think can help you win <clears throat> games. And I think we did that with AVT. Yeah. And we did it again with the next pick with Elijah Moore. Move on to, this is probably in all seriousness, the more I've thought about it, my favorite pick of the whole draft. And we Mm -hmm. said multiple times leading up in podcasts that we did, we did it. I mentioned it in our draft show that we did last week when I'm talking about Tywin Wallace. The Jets didn't have their Debo Samuel. They needed a guy who could play the uh, the reverses who could do the orbit motions. Uh, they need someone as Vitor, you put out in your article that came out today on jets X factor that, that it needs to be threatening to work, that it's not just doing a motion. It's that the person running the motion has to be a threat to take it and actually do something with it to influence linebackers, to influence teammates. That's Elijah Moore. And on top of that, he brings the deep speed that we needed. I mean, he fits every piece that we needed in this receiving core. We got all of it in Elijah Moore in one player. And this is a guy that's going to come in. He's going to work with Zach Wilson. He's a master at getting open and creating separation. Quarterback's best friend. A guy that did it against top competition in the SEC. Yes, he had Lane Kiffin scheming him plays, but Elijah Moore still has to catch the ball. He still has to run the route the right way. You know, once once the pads come on and once the ball is snapped, scheme only goes so far. This dude was tearing everybody up. And Lane Kiffin... Scheme plays up for him for a reason, right? He Absolutely. Was he was good, he right? Was he good. deserved to, right? He scheme plays up for him because he, that was their player. I mean, not many slot receivers are team's number one targets 
And Elijah Moore has been that for two years in the SEC, and he's done nothing but succeed. And then you look at guys like A.J. Brown and the reaction that he had when Elijah Moore gets drafted and how overwhelmed and excited he was for this guy that he only spent one year with. That's the type of person we're getting. That's the impact on a team that we're getting with this guy. The Jets loved him for a reason. We talked about it before. Joe Douglas grew up in Baltimore. In Baltimore, they have a system called Red Stars. A Red Star is a player that you absolutely love, that you're pounding the table for. It can be a first-rounder, mid-rounder, anything. But these are guys you put a Red Star by their name because they fit you and they are some of your favorites. Elijah Moore was a Red Star for the Jets. And this is they got him at 34. They didn't expect to. Now you give your quarterback that you just drafted protection, you give him a playmaker, you add a functional piece to the offense and an important piece to the offense. It's going to make the whole offense better. It's going to help the running game. It's going to help the passing game. It's going to help the pass rushers because if defensive ends are screaming off the ball, they're going to get hit with a reverse or they're going to get hit with a counter and they're not going to be able to become in full speed charging because they got to be passive to make sure they know what's going on in the run fit. I, I can't speak enough good things about Elijah Moore. I can't say enough good things about this pick. I think it was, I think he's the missing piece to this offense that they really, really, really needed. And now they got him. I feel like Moore is, is an A-plus pick because he fills the need of the X-Factor guy, of the motion yeah. guy that freezes the defense, helps the game. But he's a complete receiver. And ever understood, 100%. I never understood, like, everyone was popping up KD versus Tani. I thought Moore yeah. was better than Tani, right? Me too. He's yeah. much Of all the slot guys, Elijah Moore was my favorite. Receiver. Absolutely. He's a much more complete wide receiver. He runs every route. He beats too deep. He beats too short. Helps in an intermediate passing game. He's fast. He's quick. He's elusive. His only only weaknesses weakness is his size. So why not, right? Yeah. No, he's, Reggie he's, Wayne compared him to Santana Moss. Yeah. Who is a fantastic player. Yeah. Probably I don't know, the last great now nah, Antonio Holmes was was as explosive as Santana, maybe, but kind of player Santana's that's, toughness, not over the middle. That's another thing with Elijah Moore is that he's small, but he'll go over the middle, catch balls in traffic. He runs through the football. I mean, doesn't, doesn't he, he may be small, but it doesn't stop him from playing like he isn't. Yeah. Like all of you guys, I thought JOK was a big there. It's poor, but after getting more and coming to grips with the pick and understanding the reasons behind it, I'm, all in on Elijah Moore. He may be my favorite pick in this draft class case. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he's definitely mine. I, the more I've thought about it, I just think he's uh, it, the missing piece to the offense. It's a guy Zach Wilson is going to absolutely fall in love with. It's a guy Mike LaFleur can and can spend all night drawing up plays for. And and he's an A-plus person from every everything that I've seen. The people that have been around this guy rave about him. Uh, and that that stands for something, especially with the culture the Jets want to bring. Again, this is another draft filled with team captains, filled with guys, and there's no one with with character issues. We're not Joe Douglas doesn't do that. He doesn't waste time with that. If you aren't, if you don't love football, Joe Douglas doesn't care. That's uh, it. And Elijah Moore loves this game, and he's a warrior. He's yeah. he, he fits that mold that we were talking about pre-draft. That we want these guys that are tough as nails. Yep. That will just grind it out. And he, he definitely fits that bill. He's and he's reliable. He yeah. he doesn't drop anything. Yeah. And yeah. uh he's he's good in contested catches too. So he, he you see his strength up and down the field everywhere he goes. Now, my biggest thing, I when we when we went into this pick, I was thinking, all right, I have three choices here that I really want to look at. 
all three three people that I had first round grades on. So we had Tevin Jenkins, we had JOK, and we had more. All three of these guys I thought were great fits for us at that yeah. point. Better values than 34, that's for sure. That's for sure. And, but we did get AVT, and then there was injury concerns about Jenkins. So I was yes. like, all right, I'll take him out of the running. So that leaves JOK and more. Now, I've thought, I, I, I'll fully admit, I, I think more is the perfect fit for our team and our offense. But I was also thinking, well, we can get something close. Right. But later on, this is still an extremely deep wide receiver class. Absolutely. And there's no shortage of amazing slot guys or guys that can, that can uh, do a variety yeah. of different things, just like more. Uh, he might, they might not be as reliable or they might have knocks against them that definitely push them down, of course, but it it wouldn't have been unheard of to find somebody similar to more later on. But meanwhile, I don't think that we could find anybody as Similar to JOK. Yeah. What he brought brings to the table is so special and so and so needed too. Right. Like we'll 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 get into this a little bit later, but JD ends up taking two guys to maybe fill the one spot that he could have filled himself. Right. Yeah. I mean it's it's a conversation. Uh no one was a bigger JOK fan pre-draft than myself. And I was just like you was admittedly banging the table to take him at 34 because I couldn't believe that he fell that far. He was my 12th overall player staring at the face at 34. I wouldn't have been I, I would I very, very much would have been happy with JOK at 34. We're, we found out today that the reason he fell is that there was a heart condition uh, that was not able to get checked again at the combine that was flagged. And another point with the Jets and Joe Douglas is that Joe Douglas doesn't like injuries, just like he doesn't like character concerns. Uh, the injured players that they have taken have been talented players that have fallen because of their injuries and not injured players in up high that still expect to go high, but they're injured. The Jets wouldn't have drafted Jalen Phillips because of his injuries, not up high at least. They didn't. The only player they drafted this year that didn't start every game in 2020 was Nasir Dean, and he fell because of his injuries. So it's it's certainly when you look at it that way. That's why they certainly probably weren't interested in Tevin Jenkins. They also already had their offensive lineman. And if they don't want to bet on on injuries and they're worried, Elijah Moore, no injury concerns, played two straight years, no problems, came out of the draft clean. And I think that was the deciding factor, is that they very, very clearly value health, especially this year. And if JOK was even slightly concerned uh, of a heart condition or health or, or anything at that point, they're going, well, we have Elijah Moore graded just as highly and he's healthy. So I, I would have taken JOK gun to my head. If I had to pick between the two and I was in that spot at that time, I would have taken JOK. But as I've thought about it, as more things have come out, as, as I've been able to see the rest of the class and see where other players have gone, I'm all on board with Elijah Moore. Where would you say his uh, Joe's uh, cutoff would be for taking injured players? When when did we take Zuniga? Was that third or fourth round last year? Zuniga was the third, but we also had absolutely nobody at defensive end. True, and so I think that was kind of like a like we're taking this guy because his testing numbers are really good, and we need a body. Yeah, and Huff ended up playing him. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, Bryce Hall was the one last year and he was fifth round, but should have been late first, early second. And if it not for his injury, he would have gone that high. And then obviously medical rechecks, he couldn't get done last draft. Same situation. It's not something Douglas does. So we'll see. I hope JOK thrives because I I love him as a player. Brown's got a a steal, but it's got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. All right. Well, that brings us to round four. The Jets had a quite the gap after the trade um, with the Minnesota Vikings. But if you look at the player they were able to get, I think it was a pretty good one. Running back Michael Carter from North Carolina, 107th overall. Uh, if there was any running back in this class, again, outside of maybe Travis Etienne, who went higher than I think he should have, that fits this scheme better than Michael Carter, there isn't one. I mean, it's this is he was the guy we talked about it in our running back episode that the reason the Jets are looking for the later rounds is a guy like Carter is going to be gone when they're going to be picking running backs. Well, he wasn't. And the Jets were ecstatic to get him at 107. They said today they would have taken him at 66. And I fully believe that because just like Elijah Moore was the, the piece that needed for for the offense to run in the passing game, they needed an explosive running back to keep the offense going in the running game because everything's built off play action. Everything's built off misdirection. And if you don't have a, a runner or a stable of runners that can keep your running game going, then the whole offense crumbles. And this guy is is the absolute perfect fit. Absolute perfect fit. I know no one was expecting the Jets to take a running back this highly, I guess. We were all expecting later in the fifth round. But you're getting Michael Carter at 107. That's a steal. That's a steal. Yeah, great value pick there. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm on the crowd of running backs don't matter, but they yep. do matter in the fourth round. They do yes. matter in the fourth round. And if they are Michael Carter, that features King. Yeah. The guy is the great scheme feed. He ran zones like... North Carolina had a lot of zone schemes, but mm-hmm. they also ran gap schemes where they had pooling guards. Yep, he didn't and, both, and didn't Michael, matter. Michael Carter, he could read some pools. Yeah, he has great vision. You know, this is the skill set of Michael Carter that I like the most: his vision, and he has it. Without, with, alongside his speed, his explosiveness, he's a great one cut back. And what what caught my eye watching his tape? I usually tell my running backs. Follow the offensive lineman butt, and Michael Carter does that to perfection. He yep. cuts off lineman's butt all the time, and he gets extra yards. Cuts inside, has the second gear speed. I know he ran four five, but he's faster than that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And I really, really, really like the pick. Uh, I was talking to Andrew. I think I believe that Carter is going to play like fifty percent of the snaps in this offense, and the other fifty percent will be yep. like divided between Perrine. Ty yep. Johnson and Tevin Coleman. I feel like this is going to be the the, the running back back to approach for the Jets. Yep. I really, really like Carter's Carter's selection. Great value. Once again, it's all about the quarterbacks, all about the offense, all about Zach Wilson yep. having a great and smooth year run. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Now, if we're talking about running back value, would you say Carter is better value in the fourth than Kylan Hill in the sixth? Because I had a third round. I asked that myself. <laughs> hmm. As as the resident Kylan Hill stan of the podcast, um, yeah, I still think it is, and I love Kylan Hill, but the scheme fit of Michael Carter is is I'm going to bump that around for me because as good as Kylan Hill was, and he does fit the scheme, Michael Carter fits it perfectly. Michael Carter fits the scheme. 
you couldn't ask for a better player to run in this offense than Michael Carter. Yep. And I think that that really, really stands for something. And this is also something this is just personally for me. It's always been something I've loved and wished teams would look into more. When you have a small, or I shouldn't say small because Carter's 200 pounds, but when you have a shorter running back behind hulking offensive linemen, it's a nightmare to defend because the linebackers can't see the ball. And that, I think, is where is where Carter is going to be so great, especially in the zone scheme where it's all about finding the crease when you're reading C, C gap, B gap, A gap, um, and, and you're waiting for your cutback. If the linebackers can't see you through all the trash, you're going to be able to go wherever you want. You're going to be able to make whatever cut you want. Yeah, it's very similar to that. It's Philip Lindsay. Same thing when I would talk about Javian Hawkins. It's you get these giant offensive linemen that just block out the sun and let some tiny little running back cut behind them. Also, they can fit through smaller holes. They don't need when you have a when you have Najee Harris, a great player. I love Najee, but he's 6'2, 230. He's not going to be able to fit through the same creases that a 5'8, 200 pound Michael Carter can. The advantages with uh, Harris is that he makes his own holes. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. As if one's not there, he'll just drag people. But exactly, it's yeah, I, it's it's a good discussion. And Kylan Hill in the sixth round, you know, at steal at hundred percent steal. I think I, I think Aaron Jones is not long for this world, even though he just got an extension. I think the Packers are are loading up to move on for some pieces, but I. Michael Carter at one hundred seven to me is, is the pick because I thought he was gonna, a top seventy five player, easy. Oh yeah, he was my fourth running back easily. Yeah, yeah I, uh, if someone took him in the second round. I wouldn't have been surprised. No, I had him as, as, as with a second round grade. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I this this could be a foundational offensive draft for the Jets. That's I think, exactly what I think. That's like, exactly like what this I could be your your offensive foundation at quarterback, offensive line, running back, and receiver for the next handful of years that you got your star quarterback. Hopefully you got another piece on the offensive line that could, I, I legitimately think is the potential to be one of the five best guards in the NFL. I think he's that good, <laughs> that talented and an all-star wide receiver. Just because you may play in the slot doesn't mean that you can't be a number one. I play. I, I don't care if you're drawing that much attention, you're a number one receiver. That can be Elijah Moore. And here's your your starting running back for the next four years until you let him walk because you're not going to pay him. Uh, this is foundational. That's that's the word that just keeps hitting my brain, is that this is the foundation of the Jets' offense under Robert Sala. Not to go too far into fantasy football, but who do you think has a better year one fantasy-wise, Carter or Moore? Carter. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's tough, but but I think it's going to be Carter. I think so too. You touch the ball more. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he goes right to the top of the class when it comes to to uh, starring in this in this platoon of running backs. Meanwhile, Moore might have to fight through uh, yeah. a Crowder or Cole or whoever's yeah. still there by week one. Yeah, uh, I think I think they're going to scheme Elijah Moore touches a lot more early. Um, I do think that this means Jamison Crowder is gone after this year, but. Um, I think this year is not going to be as much Elijah Moore is the number one option, but Michael Carter is going to be the number one running back. No, absolutely. That's it. That's it. Oh, all right. Well, on to the defense. We got our foundational offensive pieces and took until round five, 146 to get 
Auburn safety Jamie and Sherwood, who the Jets are going to be playing at linebacker. Like we talked about earlier with JOK, there is a huge, huge, huge need at Will linebacker. The Jets took two guys that are both converted safeties that they're going to try in this spot, and Sherwood is the first. Uh, I'm going to talk about Sherwood for a second because I've had a, an interesting relationship with him over the last couple of days. Uh, admittedly, I didn't really watch his tape before the draft. Um, not really until he was drafted, to be completely honest. And when the Jets first made their pick, I was skeptical because I hadn't heard his name. I was just seeing safety. I didn't quite make the linebacker connection yet. And you know, his testing numbers are are not good. To be to be completely honest, they're downright poor. And that kind of threw me off because I'm looking at a a, a six one six two, two hundred and seventeen pound safety running four seven four, and going well, well, why? Then I found out they were moving him to Will Linebacker. And I said, okay, you know, take a safety. They're more experienced in coverage, you know, usually, generally, hopefully faster than most linebackers. If he's not going to be in deep coverage, you know, I can, I can kind of see that. Give it, can understand the transition. Then I went to his tape. Holy hell, Jamie and Sherwood is good. I, like, do you want to talk about most surprising tape I've watched this year? It didn't happen until after the draft because Jamie and Sherwood blew me away. This guy is the smartest player on his defense in every game. And it's obvious. He spends every second possible before the ball is snapped just getting everybody else aligned right. He already knows the play. He already knows the coverage. He knows where he's supposed to be. And he's waving his arms and yelling and shouting, going, go here, go here, look for this, check for this, checking with his back safety, checking with his linebackers. Every single play, this guy is getting everybody else lined up. His intelligence is off the charts. And then you look at what Auburn asked him to do. Basically anything. There's there's plays where he comes in and he's playing straight up free safety and he's in cover three. He's in free safety early down. Okay, I'm going to play free safety and I'm going to bracket this inside post and I'm going to cover it and the quarterback's going to have to throw it away because I have it covered. Cool. Second down. Well, now I'm dropping down and I'm manned up on a tight end and the tight end's going to run a little angle route and try and beat me to the inside on second down. No big deal. Stay square. Break it up. Okay. now it's third down. He goes into full time linebacker. Drops in, doesn't even play safety, straight up moves to Mike Linebacker. And there's a rep he had against Alabama that was the play that made me just open my eyes. And I posted it on Twitter where he's lined up in a mug look over the A-gap. And uh, Alabama is in a bunch to the left. And their number two receiver runs a slice route, which is not a post, but it's similar where it's a streak. And you're running straight, but you're running horizontally across the field and vertically. So you're slicing the field in half, which is why they call it a slice route. And Sherwood... Who's on the line of scrimmage? Remind that he's in mugged from the on the line of scrimmage in the A gap. Starts there mugging and drops into Tampa two and has to carry the slice route vertical, basically as if he's running a deep third and blankets him and completely and totally blankets him going backwards. He knows he has safety help. The other safety in the, uh, Tampa two doesn't have anyone going to his left, so he's able to pick up inside. He takes the receiver over the top. Sherwood knows he has leverage over the top and he has help, so he cuts inside leverage, brackets the receiver. There's nowhere for the ball to go. Incomplete pass. D- uh, four seven four. how? Ain't no way he is four seven four if he is mugging from an A-gap and dropping into Tampa two against Alabama and doing it well. Uh, it's... It is insane. So I don't know what happened with his testing. I don't know what happened with any of his measurables because they just it does not match the tape. I'm not saying this dude is is the most athletic freak. Is he the same player as JOK? No. Is he on the same caliber as Elusive Gormo? Not even close. But he is not 474. 
and he is definitely fast enough to play linebacker. And the number one thing that Robert Sala has talked about since this draft that I've been trying to key on and learn, listen to them and really understand why they did the things that they did, they care way more about what you know than what you can do. They don't want to waste time teaching people this defense. They don't want to waste time pe- teaching people the coverage responsibilities. And Sherwood, being a former safety and being someone that has played free safety, strong safety, nickel corner, inside linebacker, and outside linebacker, all on the same defense, knows every role. They don't have to teach him a thing. He's going to come in, know this defense, know all the switches, know all the checks, especially in this cover three. Everyone thinks cover three is you drop into your zones and there's your deep thirds and everyone's in the same spot on every single play. Not now. That was cover three in 2013 under Pete Carroll. Cover three now, there are a million different rules for if receivers are lined up in certain spots, how many receivers to one side, are they stacked, bunched, are they spread? However, and Sherwood in particular, this is the one rep I saw that tells me I know he knows what he's doing. He was playing free safety. It was again against Alabama. And Alabama runs a crossing pattern where they have a tight end that's lined up online. He runs a little drag route and the backside receiver to the left is running an inside cross. He's playing Sherwood's playing free safety and he sees the cross coming. Now you would think if he's playing free safety in a cover three, his job is to be get back deep, but he sees the inside crosser coming. And based on the cover three replacement rules, the backside corner now has no one to cover. And so if no one is down the boundary for him to cover, he's not just going to stand in no man's land. He's going to replace the free safety and basically drop even deeper. Sherwood, knowing this, comes downhill to attack on the inside breaking route on the deep over, breaks up the pass. So that tells me that he knows that this wasn't, you know, this isn't a I took a risk in coverage or I messed up a coverage or, or something like that. He knows the rules of this defense. He knows that this is my job. The inside receiver is coming in. The other corner has no one. He's replacing me. I'm driving in. If this was Jeremiah Usukoromoa, we'd have to teach him that. As great as a player as he is, we would have to teach him that because it's a different style of defense. And knowing this defense is going to allow them to play faster and better. Robert Sava said it himself in his draft call with Sherwood. You don't know how good you're going to be yet. And boy, do I believe that. See, I think that he's going to be... Saul is uh, Demario Davis. Yeah, I, I I think he he does have that potential. I, I was watching a few of his games before this because immediately, yeah, I have, I didn't watch much of his tape either, going to the draft, and I, I did come up impressed with uh, just how much he grasps of what his role is and what everybody else's role is. Yeah, he's and, the quarterback of that defense. Yeah, you can see it. I mean, yeah, he has elite burst. Yes, it, which is something that i saw especially when he's rushing the passer you can see great going downhill that that closing speed is is spectacular um going across the field i I did see him against but against like fast wide receivers yeah he's not gonna be able to keep up with them right but he's a linebacker Uh, he's a linebacker so i i think he's he he looked like he played with a a four five four four six In, four five five. That's four that's five five. Yeah, that, that that I think that that's an appropriate range for him. Uh, and he he looks like with just a little bit of time and a little bit of coaching, he could be uh, uh, quite the steal. I think. Yeah. 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 He blew me away. The draft network did an interview with him, and they asked, "I can see you being used as a linebacker in a nickel sub package at the next level. Do you agree with that assessment?" And it sure would set. As big as I am, I can run. I can move from my size. I have good play speed. I can hit in the box. 
I can create up towards the line of scrimmage and blitz. I can disguise it and drop back into coverage. I can cover tight ends. If we rain that personnel, sub nickel package, and the offense is in a tempo, and they bring in another slot receiver, I'm the guy that can cover a slot receiver. So exactly what Andrew saw in his tape. A versatile guy that can line up everywhere, knows his assignment. Yeah. It, it, you know, from the yeah. first glance here, it's a great pick. It's yeah. a great pick. Yeah, I, I like this goes to show you tape rules all. To this, yeah. it, testing numbers can say one thing. You know, opinions, media opinions can say one thing. Uh, consensus can be the whole there. Trust your own eyes and trust the tape because based on tape, I it it took me three snaps to figure out why the Jets drafted this guy. From from being completely out on this pick, from thinking it was a bad pick, not knowing who this guy was, we don't need a safety, there's other linebackers we could have taken if you're making him a linebacker. All the reasons that I didn't like this pick, gone in three plays when I actually watched the tape. And I saw what this guy does on every play. I saw how smart he is. I saw his toughness. Uh, he's a really sure tackler. He doesn't miss tackles. In fact, my one knock with him, well, not my one, but my major knock with him is that I almost want him to be more aggressive. He's so concerned about taking the right angle and making the tackle and doing it square that he kind of lets guys come to him. And I just want to see, I want to see the, the seatbelt taken off. You know, I want to see this guy, like, you know what's coming. He's, he's a little too passive where he makes the correct read and he, he sees everything pre-snap and he does everything right and he's in the right spot. And it's, I want to see the, the light come on of, oh, I am right. Just a half second faster. And if that comes on, watch out because this guy is, is, this is going to be, I'm going to call my shot. This is Robert Sala's next great linebacker project. Yeah, throughout his history, Bobby Wagner, Fred Warner, Brian Cushing, you know, down the line, KJ Wright down the line, he's just turned guys that were undervalued in the linebacker. Fred Warner played nickel at BYU. And, and Robert Sala mentioned that in his press conference after the draft, that just because you haven't played linebacker doesn't mean that you can't be a linebacker in this system. I think Sherwood's the next guy up. I, I, I just... This I'm I don't know what else to say. I, I just I'm dumbfounded by <laughs> by how much better he is than I thought he was. I think you said it all. I mean, if, yeah, you said it all. Three four years down the line, we'll be saying JOK who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, deja vu strikes twice. Uh, round five, one fifty four. Michael Carter, the second cornerback from Duke. Um, again, Jets just took dark shots at the end of the draft on defense. And I think it's important to note that this is a year where most draft boards are per team, about 170 players. This was a year where some teams had players draft boards, less than a hundred players. And once you get this late in the draft, trying to go off consensus value is really hard because you have no idea where teams have guys ranked, but Michael Carter, a uh, guy they liked, he's played outside, inside has versatility. I think the one thing that we've seen on their defense is they like versatility and Carter has it. Yeah, and yeah. not Revis's nephew. No, no, <laughs> Charles the, Davis. He is not. <laughs> he's not. Uh, he, he's definitely got versatility, and I like his speed. I like what he what he brings to the table. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's another developmental guy. Uh, I do. Do you see him maybe re, uh, sort of uh, competing with Gidry for that slot corner? I think it's possible. I feel like that's what's going to happen right now. If the Jets don't bring back Brian Poles and open open competition between Gittry and Michael Carter, has to be. Has I think Poole's gone. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Poole's coming back. And you have Joyner too, who can also. Yep. 
Yeah, but Joyner was really, really, really bad close to the line of scrimmage with the Raiders. You know, this the Joyner signing makes me think that the Jets may use Ashton Davis closer to the line here as a nickelback. He played that play in college. He's athletic enough to do it again. With the talent that we have, we may see solid rotate everything and utilize versatility that these group possesses, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's the future of our defense. I, I think Joyner, I think Joyner's maze backup. I think he's going to, you know, have his role, but I think he's best as a deep third safety. He's best when he's off the line and can be back and kind of play deep coverage. So I think that's that's what Marcus May does best. So I think Marcus May is, is and him are going to be handling those roles. And I think the Jets defense is just going to be multiple and versatile. And it they're not going to worry so much about what position is designated because some plays Ashton Davis is going to be your nickel. Well, some plays he'll be free safety. Some plays he'll be strong safety. Some days he'll come in and he'll play linebacker. And the same goes for Sherwood. And the same goes for the guy we're going to talk about in a couple picks, uh, Nasir Ali, where it's just the Jets are basically going to have four down linemen and seven converted safeties. And everyone's going to be rotating around, buzzing, dropping, dropping, blitzing. And it's going to be, it's going to be a madhouse. It's just going to be a bunch of rangy, athletic guys who can run and hit all over the field. Yeah. But now, the way you counter that is power football. This is true. You got all these these guys that are 215, 220 running around. Yeah, they're fast, but now just man them up and run over them. Yeah, that's, that is, that's the, the cyclical nature of the game. Is that when people get smaller, you get bigger, and then when people get bigger, you get bigger, and then they're too big for you, so you get faster, and then they get smaller again, and it's the back and forth. Um, I think the good thing with our defense in particular is that our defensive line is big enough to stop damn near anybody. And even if there's going to be times when that size uh, the lack of size, rather, gets the better of us. Uh, uh, God forbid we ever have to play the Ravens. Uh, it's not going to be fun. But I think for a, a week-to-week basis, I think the Jets just want their front four to cause as much freaking destruction off the ball as humanly possible and let everybody else behind it clean it up. See, I'm just worried that this is just too much pressure on them. And uh, in the end, it could end up like 2020 for the 49ers. See what happened when they had to dig into their depth along their front four. This is true. That's when their their secondary sort of got exposed. My one worry, but getting a little sidetracked. Uh, yeah. Uh, moving on. Move on to uh, round five, one seventy-five. We have Jason Pinnock, the corner from Pittsburgh. Um, again, no relation to Darrell Revis outside of school, but they have met. Uh, Pinnock posted a picture of him with Revis from last year that I thought was pretty cool. Um, long ball skills for days. The guys made some great interceptions. Um, good athlete. Again, the Jets really don't take anybody if they're not a good athlete. Um, it's round five. We're taking dart throws. This is a guy with the size, the ball skills, the length, and the athletic profile to play You know your standard cover three boundary corner. And it's We'll see if he thrives. I think he can. I think, you know, he certainly has the tools to do so. I think the ball production speaks for itself. And I think that's really something you can't teach. As a guy can be, you can teach a guy to be better in coverage, but when the ball's in the air and it's it's a dogfight, it, the guys that get interceptions and get pass breakups, that carries. And that's what he did. 
So we'll see if he can develop. I'd love to know what you guys think. I personally haven't gotten his film yet. He's the one I haven't. Him and Eccles are the two I haven't gotten to yet, but I would love to know what you guys think. So we were just talking about the front four and how they're going to cause havoc. And if they do, that's going to uh, create all these uh, opportunities for our secondary. So you you want yeah. a ball hawk. You want a guy that, that plays the, the ball in the air the way that Pinnock does. Agreed. And even if he's not completely where he needs to be i think that he can carve himself out a little role and thrive in it with uh if our front four does does their job i think so yeah. as well i feel like as andrew said for in darts here but if for in darts on a cornerback it better be a cornerback that is a ball hawker right yep that can feed our scheme play the boundary corner in corporate three we we we, we talked about it in our mock draft special when I was talking about Azante Samuel Jr. Yep, I was thinking of that. He's a guy that you take because he's a ball hawker. Pinak, he's a ball hawker. We just hope the coaching staff will be able to develop the guy. But truth is, the Jets have a huge need opposing Brian Hall, Bryce Hall. That's yeah. the truth. You know, bless on Austin, God forbid, cannot start for another year. And as good as Pinak may be under Salah, the Jets still need to address the cornerback position. Oh, Maybe Richard Sherman comes here. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be on. Uh, uh, Steven Nelson would have already been in the building for me. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. I feel like there's something weird because the Jets haven't really shown interest in the guy. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, with um, him, I think it's all about price. Yeah, that's yeah. He knows really. he's good. He's he's going to wait for the right situation and the right price. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think Joe Douglas is perfectly fine with the defense not being good this year. I mean, it I may think, not like. I think, I think it'll be solid. I don't think it's going to be horrible. Like, I don't think our defense is yeah. going to be is going to be a a complete and total disaster. Far from it. But if if our defense is top fifteen, maybe like eighteen, I, I don't think the the people are going to be sitting there going, "Oh no, the sky is falling." Because I think that's what next year's for. I yeah, think okay. this is this year is about getting the offense. Getting the offense sustainable. Get the offense to the point where you know it at the very least is going to be average, which is not something the Jets have been able to say for years. Get your offense to a point where you know it is going to be serviceable, where you know it is going to be functional, where your defense isn't put in all these hard positions because your offense is doing better. I think those are there's other ways to help a defense other than just signing players to a defense. And I think all of it's going to come together where if the Jets offense is playing better and I think they're going to want to play a little ball control and not be, you know, pound people with the run game, plays off play action. You know, they're not going to want to they're not trying to be the Chiefs. They're not trying to score in in four plays. They want to wear you out for four quarters. And that's going to help the defense just as much as it's going to help you know anybody else. So I'm I don't think they're worried as much i think this is they know this is going to take time they know this is a rebuild this is the team of the second overall pick last year and i know teams can make quick turnarounds the niners went from picking second to being in the super bowl a year later that's a different situation that that is that is not comparable even though robert Sala was there that is not comparable this was the niners are picking second because they were destroyed by injuries jimmy g got hurt and their season got derailed they weren't picking second because they were bad the jets were legitimately awful and it's going to take time to get better. And I think they're looking at it as, let's get our offense going this year. 
so that next year after we've added pieces to help the defense and Zach Wilson takes the sophomore jump, now we got a team. Yep. And I also feel like Joe Douglas trusts Salad to coach up Agreed. average talent, right? Agreed. He trusts Salad to coach up average talent, and he knows that this defense, this unit, won't be the worst in the league if he hands out Salah at least something, but not everything that he right. needs to be great. Right. The offense needs that talent. Exactly. Even more so about Zach Wilson, you need to surround Zach Wilson with talent. Defense, you need to surround Salah with assets, and he will build from what he has. Yeah, I agree. I completely and completely agree. Uh, moving on to giving Salah pieces to work with. Round 6, 186, Hamza Nasiruddin, former safety, now linebacker from Florida State. Uh, this is this is a guy people are expecting to be the starting will uh, as a six-round pick, which is a lot of expectations. I hope he meets them. Um, the Sherwoods kind of got the love bug on me, so I'm kind of quietly rooting for him to win that job. But Hamza's a great player. And this is a guy who fell because of an injury. He got hurt in his last year, came back for the last two games of 2020, played pretty well, having you know not played before then. But it's a, an injury you're hoping that he can come back from and permanently come back from to where he'll be healthy enough to start right away. But good in coverage, big 6'4", about 220, certainly got the size to move down to linebacker. Uh, Florida State produces ball hawks and spades. I don't know what it is about them, but any DB that comes out of Florida State, I swear, just gets interceptions and plays in the ball. Um, so he's got that going for him. I think his transition might be a little harder than Sherwood's because I think he's played more. He's been a safety and he hasn't, he's come down into the box and he's played underneath, but not in the same way that Sherwood has, where Sherwood's like full blown mugging and A gaps. And and Hamza isn't quite that type of player. He can be. I think he absolutely can be. And I think with development under the coaching staff that we had, he's going to get better. Um, I don't know if I'm the type that's going to sit here and say he's our starting will right now, but he's going to be one of the guys competing for the job. And he is a hell of a lot more talented than the 186 pick in the draft. Right now, I just see him as a sub package guy. I yeah. I probably would go with Sherwood over him as maybe a full time starter. Uh, I see a lot of lot to like in this game, but then there's a lot that sort of troubles me that you can see that he needs to work on. Uh, where Sherwood is more polished and he just needs more confidence in himself. Yes. Uh, Hamza maybe needs to rein it in a little bit. Maybe he he yeah. needs more guidance. I see a lot of over aggression in his game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just runs himself out of position or. Yeah. And then sometimes he is unsure of himself. He's a little all over the place. Yeah, indecisive. But indecisive. But you can see when he's on, he makes some great plays. He'll, he's oh, yeah. got a, a knack for knocking the ball out of out of ball carrier's hands. Another guy with great ball skills. He's, he's a he's a playmaker, uh, and and I'm sure that's what JD saw as well. And he sees the potential in his game. Yeah, I agree. So. Would you guys say is that Hamza is more of a developmental guy and Sherwood is a guy that can play right away if you guys had to pick and choose? Uh, between the two of them, yeah, I would put it that way. It'd be kind of close. I think they both need development. Um, mm-hmm. Sherwood less so because I think he knows what to do. He just has to learn how to do it better. And I think Hamza, you're teaching him a little more of what to do. Uh, it's another, I think I said this on our last show, but I'll say it again. Cause it's, it's a, one of those coaching phrases that just will never leave my brain. Bad instincts just take you to the wrong place faster. And that's yeah. where, that's where he needs to 
kind of clean up as there's times where he's in coverage and based on the coverage and the roles of his teammates, which is comparing to Sherwood, I think where Sherwood just shines so much is that he knows his role. He knows how his role affects his teammates' roles, and he knows what he has to do to adjust to make everything work. Hamza will get caught up where he'll get in his situation, and I'll be in my coverage, and I'll see a route coming in, and I'll get distracted by this route breaking inside when I need to be covering outside. And Sherwood's the type of guy where he's already outside because he knows his teammate should be covering that route. And it's, yeah, I, I think you could say that way. I, if I had to bet money right now, if I had to put you know $100 down on who the Jets' starting Will Linebacker is going to be, I actually think it's going to be Jared Davis. But I think it will be Sherwood by week four. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think, he, I think he needs a little bit more of a transition. I think he needs a little bit more time. He needs some action in a game where it's going to take one time where Sherwood's a little too passive coming downhill on a run play that he, that he read perfectly and a guard's going to come up and knock him off his freaking rock, and Robert Sala's going to go to him and say, I told you to be more aggressive. I told you to hit it. <laughs> like, it's, and yeah. After that, I think, look, look out. But in that case, yes. Moving on, round six, 200 overall. We have Brandon Eccles, the corner from Kentucky. Another guy with kind of a slot build. Uh, I know that they had, the Jets are listing him at free safety, and they're expecting him to be free safety slash slot. So that's interesting. That makes me think again that we're going to see a lot of multiplicity in our coverages. I think we're it's going to be similar to what the Rams did under Brandon Staley last year, where they did, was a lot of too high shells, and they would rotate into buzzes or they would move safeties would start um, it would switch you know switch responsibilities or they would one would start down and they would drop back or, and it's just. You have no idea what the safeties are doing on any play, and I love that as a defense because safeties yep. – before, in modern defenses, safeties tell you the coverage. Safeties tell you what you need to know. If you want to know what's going on with the coverage, you look at the safeties. And if your safeties are lying to you, it's really hard to decipher coverage. Yeah. You know, if the Jets decide to play the too deep look with Marcus May and LaMarcus yep. Joyner, a guy like – Brandon Eccles here can be a guy that sits back and watches yes. May and Joyner yes. deep boy this look and learn and play. Hey, I can do this. I can be a back half safety for you. Yep. And we have to remember that Mar- that Marcus May is on the last year of his deal. He is playing on the yes. franchise tag. Hello, Marcus Joyner just signed on a one-year deal. Yep. So maybe, just maybe, the Jets select Eccles to play this role. Sit back yeah. this year and maybe take over next year. I, I think that's the idea. I definitely do. I know they're working. Joe Douglas has said that getting May signed to an extension is their number one priority now that the draft is over. So I think we'll see how that goes. But it's no guarantee. It's not done yet. Nothing's put to paper. And Joyner did only sign a one-year deal. So I definitely think yep. that they're going to need and, – and and quite honestly, I think Ashton Davis is your slot corner. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I don't even think it's a matter of is he going to be playing safety to to replace. I don't think he's the type of safety they want. I think he fits them more down in the box. I, I, that's, that's, that's I don't think. That's what I think. But yeah, I don't, I don't see that much with Eccles just because when I was watching some of his tape, you, you can see his hips are just not that fluid. They're pretty yeah. tight. Yeah. So you you don't want him near the line having to flip his hips and run. No, no, you would want him at free safety. Where you want he would him at have, free safety. He would have the time to to read things beforehand, flip his hips early, and get going in a straight line. Because when he's going in a straight line, he's really fast. 
that just doesn't quite have the fluidity. Fluidity, and we got to remember we're talking about the two hundredth pick in the draft here. We're, we're in yeah. we're in round six. This is you know the percentage of guys that are drafted in the spot that go on to be anything more than even backups is is small. So we got to you know take everything with a grain of salt. And this is the like we were saying, just going to say it over and over: dart throws. It's. I think I can't remember who said this. I think I was listening. I want to say it was Scott Mason on Play Like a Jet, uh, where someone had mentioned where the beginning of the draft was, okay, we're going to give Zach Wilson everything he needs to succeed, and then on day three, we're going to say, all right, Robert, throw darts at guys you like and see what sticks. I think that's what they did. And uh, Eccles is another one of those guys uh, that the versatility matters to them, athleticism matters to them. It's round six, 200th pick in the draft. Take a shot. Yep, that's it. Yeah, with the with the first four guys, you can tell that these were very deliberate. These are our guys. Yes, these are our perfect fits. Yes, these are guys that are going to contribute right away. Absolutely. And then, yeah, day three, it's sort of like, all right, these are guys that fit. These are guys that are athletes. These are guys yep. that have all the potential in the world. Yep. We like their traits. We'll see what they can. We'll do. see what happens. But yep. of course, when you do a lot of that, and you fill your depth charts with that when you don't really have starters that's sometimes causes issues <laughs> it certainly can it certainly can and i think um i think jets fans over the past handful of months of speculation and the amount of times everyone went on mock draft simulators and saw pick 66 and pick 86 that they were picking i think everyone expected to walk out of this draft with every hole filled and that's just not realistic that's just it's just it's not realistic in, in any draft but it's it's really not realistic in a draft like this where the player pool wasn't as talented, the information wasn't as available. You know, I'm I'm willing. It's why I'm even more willing to go get Vera Tucker because you know he's going to be great. I don't know that the 86th pick in the draft is going to be a good player. I know that Vera Tucker is. And of all of all the first four picks that they made, I have the most questions about Zach Wilson. <laughs> that's it. That's true. That's true. Like that. Like that's, that's how I'm looking at it. Is it of, of their first four picks, the one I am the most not even skeptical because I think Wilson's going to be good. But even saying that, the most skeptical pick of their first four is Zach Wilson. I'm. I know Vera Tucker is going to be great. I know Elijah Moore is going to be great. I know Michael Carter is going to be great. You, you got four starters. A foundational offensive draft. This is an A. Like it, it's. It's a great draft. And we aren't yeah. even done. We have one more pick to get to, and it's a, and it could be a really big one. And I know we just said, you know, it's the sixth round. Guys don't last, but guys with Jonathan Marshall's athleticism straight up don't come around often. He's number two out of over 1,300 defensive tackles since 1987 in terms of relative athletic score. Number two. This is – that's insane. Yeah, but as far as scores are, are relative – Yes. Like in the name. Yes. And when you look at the tape, you definitely see it in, in spurts. Oh, yeah. You see that athleticism. You see that burst. Yeah. Uh, but then you start to see why up until this year, he was only used in sub packages because he doesn't have that stamina to keep it up for an entire game. No. Uh, but you know what? If he can come on to, to the Jets and – these these coaches can light a fire under him. Yep. I think, and, and if he can get his uh, conditioning right, 
he has the potential to end world. <laughs> oh yeah. This, this guy is insane. That's yeah. what he can do. Yeah. This is not hyperbole. He's a better athlete than Quentin Williams. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like at his, at his size, the explosion that he creates and the burst off the ball is, is something else. And it's again, it's two Oh seven. This is a guy that didn't play a lot in college. But you bet on athletes late. Yeah, he's the type of guy that you take at Jules Seven. Hundred percent. If you look around at some of the yeah, uh, if you look around at some of the defensive tackles that we've developed over time, like Uh (laughs) you got, I mean, not not the not the early round ones. I I, I think we we do very well with late round and undrafted defensive tackles. Yeah, there's There's one thing Mike McCagan was good at. And yeah. I, I have the feeling that he'll be the next one. Yeah, he's playing a different position for us, too, and in, in, in a good way, because he played nose tackle at Arkansas. And I think they put him at nose tackle because he was probably the strongest guy on their team. And they said, OK, we just need the strongest, meanest, biggest mf impossible over the center because we're Arkansas and that's the talent we're working with. He's going to be a three tech in the NFL. He's going to be a, a penetrator in the NFL. And, you know, I heard Sala talking about him yesterday, um, his draft conference, which I think it's really important for every fan to go and listen to the GM and the coach speak on these players, what they liked about him, why they decided to draft him. So it tells you, it gives you a view into their thinking. And you can, you can watch these players through a different lens when you know what they were looking for. And when you look at it from that way and you look at it with Marshall, I, the dude is a, a literal athletic unicorn that wasn't used properly in college. So maybe if we use him properly, he'll be even better. And if, and the Jets are going to the Jets are going to send waves and waves of defensive linemen after people like it's the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Uh, it is <laughs> it's just going to be an onslaught and this is another guy to join that onslaught. It's uh, that is that is the defense they want to run. Where in a perfect world, it's just the front four is just four nightmarish, freaky badasses that are coming downhill on every play to ruin your life. And if God forbid you squeak through, we got all these athletes behind him to come clean it up. The you need defensive linemen to rotate. And Joe Douglas was in Philly when they won the Super Bowl, and they won it off the back of their eight deep defensive line. That's that's what the Jets want. Marshall's another guy that I think can join this rotation. If there was any late round interior defensive lineman for the Jets to take, it was Jonathan Marshall. That's it. And Rankins was only on a two year deal. So yeah. if Marshall shows something, he could find oh, yeah. himself fill in his shoes. He's got a lot of great players to learn under. Absolutely. Who do you think the odd man out is out now? Um probably Kyle Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, I'd probably say Phillips. I could see Phillips finding a role at Sam End. I wouldn't be completely, yeah, completely surprised because they really don't have any Sams. We mentioned that they, leading up through the do. draft over and over is how they don't really have a Sam end, but it, maybe they're not going to need one. Maybe it's not as important. Of Maybe it's not, you know, maybe Robert Sala is, is doing things differently than how he did it in San Francisco, uh, you know, exactly translating over. Maybe he doesn't feel like he wants the same type of Sam end on the other side. Maybe he just wants another guy that can get off the ball. Maybe he just wants uh, another another lighter guy. Maybe that's where um, maybe that's where Bryce Huff comes in, and they just want two 
you know, weak side defensive ends that are just going to get up field. It's possible. I will have to see. Um, but it's it's not set in stone yet. And I think with the Jets defense on top of that, I don't think I don't think anything is set in stone because I think this is going to be a situation where you know everyone wants to say this is your will linebacker, this is your Mike, this is your slot corner, this is your free safety. I don't think it's going to matter. I think it's going to matter much more on what the situation is surrounding that defense to matter. I think like you were saying, Matt, with Hamza, where he could be a sub player. I think if it's third and long, you're not keeping CJ Mosley on the field. No. You're, you're subbing him out. Maybe you have Sherwood and Hamza as your inside linebackers and a deep nickel. And that's their role. And Marcus Joyner plays free safety so that Marcus May can be a, an overhang defender. And it's it's all it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting because I have no idea what they're gonna do, and most importantly, neither do any offenses. That's, That's it. They're, they're so fluid that you can do so many different things. You can do whatever you want. It's it's gonna be fun to watch this team. Yeah, absolutely. How about grades? Should we do? I was, like that's what's going to be my next thing. Yeah, I was going to say let's go into grades. Uh, Matt, lead it off. Uh, I'm thinking B plus. I mean, the, we got everybody that we could ever want in the the first four rounds, mm-hmm. and I I think that uh, yeah we we have we have talent now that we could build around, and that's all what this draft was about. The, everything else after that, eh. Perhaps you, we'll, we'll see yep. what happens with them. Uh, but for, for those first four picks, I would give that an A plus. And then everything after that, sort of maybe a B minus. So yeah, average is out. An average would be a B, B plus. Yeah. Vitor, what do you think? I'll give it an A because I feel like there's a vision behind every pick. And there, yeah. is, like, there is a philosophy yes. uh, behind why the Jets need every pick. And I haven't yes. sensed that forever with the Jets. Agreed. And I'll give it because of that, right? I know they did, they basically just threw darts on defensive players and they tree, but there was a reason they did that. So right. they threw targeted darts. It wasn't it yeah. wasn't just it wasn't blind dart throws. Yeah, that's true. No, not at all. Yeah. Um I'm gonna echo what Vitor said. I'm gonna give it an A. Um and I think first and foremost, because this is a foundational offensive draft. And good, you get four starters in a draft, in any draft, that's a good draft. I think the Jets got four starters with their first four picks, like, unquestioned. And there could be more down the line. Uh, Sherwood, Sherwood really, really, really is what makes this class an A for me. Because like Vitor was saying, there's a plan and a role and an idea at, with every pick that was made. That This isn't, you know... The Jets are sitting there looking at two guys going, we like them both. And, you know, we're just going to take this guy because, you know, we, we liked him more in an interview or anything like that. There's a plan. There's a deliberate plan. There's a reason you can understand and see every pick they made and why. And he's like Vitor said, the Jets haven't been able to do that for a long time. So I'm, I'm going to give it an A. I, they addressed, and let's, this is a point I want to make, this point I thought of, you know, the other day. They addressed every hole we wanted them to. They got a quarterback. They got an offensive lineman. They got a receiver. They got a running back. They have hopefully a linebacker if Hamza or Sherwood can fill it out, and hopefully a corner if one of the other DBs can can thrive. They targeted the positions we wanted. 
whether it works out is always up in the air. But even if the Jets took, you know, J.C. Horn, <laughs> traded up and took J.C. Horn, as great of a player as he is, there's no guarantee that he's going to be good. You just have to address the position and work from there. They addressed every position you could have wanted them to address. And for anyone worried about tight end, they signed Kenny Yaboa as an undrafted free agent. I love that. Which, which, which I'm just gonna, which I'm gonna include as like the seventh round pick of this draft class because this is this is a guy that I think all three of us would have been comfortable taking at 107. Yeah, I had a fourth round grade on him. (laughs) Were there any reports on why he fell that far? I haven't seen any. I I haven't seen any either. I I haven't seen any. I I was very impressed with, with his tape. Uh, he's got slightly above average long speed and he can attack the seams and he's, he's strong at the catch point too. Uh, Oh yeah. He's got the size and strength. You can line him up all over the place as well. Yeah. Uh, I I, I can't wait to see what he, what he does. Oh yeah. No, I, I, like I said, they, they, they hit everywhere you could have asked them to hit and they got four players on offense that I think are going to be the foundation of the Jets offense for the next five years. That's an A draft. That's an A draft. All right, I'll change mine to A minus. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll live with it. We'll live with it. Um, this would be a fun way to end, uh, guys. Favorite pick? If you had to pick one one pick out of the whole class, what was your favorite? What we'll Vitor start? Uh, I'll have to go with Zach Wilson. I said Elijah Moore before, but I'll go with Zach Wilson. My favorite quarterback in the draft, my draft crush, and the guy that I believe would be the reason that the Jets will win another Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Vera Tucker. He's a foundational pick at a foundational position. Uh, him and Becton, I can see them being the tandem for the ages. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's perfect because I'm going Elijah Moore. So there's our first three picks uh, <laughs> that we get we get rounded out. Um, I I knew the Jets needed another piece on in their receiving core. I, I we all did. I really, really was worried about who was going to play the Debo Samuel role because it's such an important role in that offense. And I think as time has gone on, we're seeing the Jets are going to be more San Francisco than Green Bay. I think we might have been a little wrong because um, everything that they're saying sounds San Francisco. But this is he's going to run your motions. He's going to run your jet sweeps. He's going to run your reverses. I love, love, love uh, those little flare screens where it starts as an orbit motion and then you throw it to the guy when he's already got a running start and blockers ahead of him. And Elijah Moore is perfect at being the guy that catches that and turns and runs and breaks one tackle. And then it's a 40 yard game. Or you'll let him wind up outside and he'll run a double move and be open deep. It's we will go back to our, our mock draft special where I said, let's take Tywin Wallace and let's take Tamari and Terry. Well, Elijah Moore is both of them. He does both of what they do at this in one package. And minus the size of Terry. Minus the size of Terry, yes. But, but I mean, he, Elijah Moore can make contested catches. It's not mm-hmm. like he. It's not like he. You know, is impervious of going up and getting the ball. So I. It's, I didn't, but and the reason I liked Terry so much was his deep speed was because I felt like it. At, he could run by anybody, and Elijah Moore is four three five. <laughs> four three five is going to get you a lot of places. So I'm. Yeah, I think this has been a great draft. I think. I, I really do. I really do. I think it's been a great draft. I think so as well. Yeah. Guys, any closing shots? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, uh, 
I'm already looking ahead to 2022. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that could be a fun quick way to end. Any um, one 2022 prospect you guys like? Uh, Alave. <laughs> Alave, yeah, you good know? one. I was going to say Alave. You stole my idea. <laughs> uh, I, we we might be able to do some luxury picks next year, depending on how things shake out this year. Uh, Alave, depending on where we're picking, uh, he oh. could be. What a great f- addition to this offense. What a four deep wide receiver core. Corey Davis, Chris Olave, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore. Guard that. Guard that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four verts every play. Oh, I'm going to go Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, the defensive end, um, AKA Thanos, because that dude is, he is not from planet Earth. He is just not from planet Earth. As a guard for us? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, he's going to go way too high. I think. I think Kayvon Thibodeau. I, is, I hope we're nowhere near. Yes, I hope. I hope we can't take Kayvon Thibodeau because he's already gone. Agreed. Um, but God forbid. Holy cow! Ooh. I mean, this is that dude. That dude is is freaky beyond freaky. This is like I'm trying to think of a good a good comp for him off the top of my head. Um, and like the only one that is hitting me is Javon Curse. Do you remember Javon Curse? Uh, yeah, like early in the two thousands on the Titans. Yeah, that's that's. I, I was thinking Thibodeau. of of a comp in nature. I was going to say a pyroclastic flow from a volcano. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Kayvon Thibodeau pro comp category five hurricane. <laughs> oh, all right, Vitor, twenty twenty two prospect. Ventra Miller, Florida, great linebacker, can shirt tackle or who like would be a good asset. Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Andrew. I said I like him. I like him. I like him too. You know, and I'm thinking about CJ Mosley saying goodbye. Maybe Ventra Miller can get his spot. Yeah, I, the Jets are going to need a mic. Eventually, they're going to need. They're going to need a mic. Yep, definitely can see. I think it's going to be a defensive draft next year for sure. Sure. That's the way I see you. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. This has been a great show. Uh, the Jets had a great draft. I think we all are in agreement that overall they had a great draft. We're all very excited. Going to be a lot of fun tape study coming up over the summer for all of us, I'm sure. Um, I'm Matt. We have Vitor. Or I'm not Matt. I'm Andrew. He's Matt. Um, <laughs> we've, we're, you can tell that this is the end of the draft and that we are all <laughs> exhausted beyond belief. Um, I'm Andrew. Matt is over there. He is not me. I am not him. And Vitor's here, too. He's pretty cool. Uh, this has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to have another episode next week, so stay tuned for that. Um, we'll see you guys soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>